doing? If you can't tell, I'm just a little bit excited to be up here. This is, it tickles me to death to have the opportunity to, to get to bring the message to you this morning. If you got a copy of your bulletin on the way in here, um, you will see a lime green insert. You ought to be able to see it. If you've got it, you can see it. I promise you that. Um, and it'll have the copy of our notes on there. You can follow along. Feel free to, feel free to do that. Uh, it'll also be up on the screen here in just a minute. But we're going to start off 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Just one verse reading to you this morning. We'll go through several. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 John 5.13 says this, I write these things to you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you so much again for this amazing opportunity to be able to share your word this morning and to be able to worship you freely. As Brent Baptist Church, Father, help everything that is said and done to honor you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. See if we can get this. Got it set over. There we go. All right. It'll get there in a minute, guys. This went well in rehearsal like it always does, but it's not doing, there it is. Hmm. Well. could use a commercial during this time so y'all didn't have to sit here and see us doing this like Paul's 10 seconds for station identification that kind of thing but this is not working for some reason this morning even though it did earlier let's try it one more time and then we'll just we'll do without it if it hey there it is good deal that you may know we have a lot of decisions to make in a day don't we a lot of stuff going on, especially this week, right? We, we have to know, we have to get up and what are we, we going to eat? Are we going to go to college? Are we going to get up? Or are we going to go to work? What are we going to wear? Um, some of y'all may question kind of what I'm wearing, but that's okay. Uh, I did make a decision two or three days ago to wear this, and so it's good. Uh, I had the guy at Belk said that it matched, so I'm good. I made the decision I was going to wear it, Okay. That was, my, that was my big decision a couple of days ago. Um, but it's far from being the most important. Do you know John is writing back to this church that's got a lot of stuff coming at them. The early church has got a lot of stuff coming at them that's confusing them. A lot of, a lot of stuff that that John is trying to make sure, look, the whole book of 1 John is about this, and we get to this verse, and it's 1 John 5, 13, and it says, I've wrote all these things, all these things I'm writing to you so that you can be sure, so that you can know without a shadow of a doubt 
that you are indeed a child of God. And my desire is to show you what God has done for me and dive off into this as we look at our main point this morning. You'll see it there, the assurance of our salvation. We'll come back to this in a little bit. The assurance of our salvation gives us hope as we continually live out our faith in Christ. So do you know? It's the main focus as we go into it this morning. Let's dive right in. First off, we have to see this. I think John would have us to know this, that we are all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is anything... Sin is anything that goes against the character of the perfect, holy God. Not living as we should, lying, cheating, things on the internet, filthy language, all these things. Whatever goes against the the character, the nature, the perfect holiness of your God is what is called sin. That's the way the Bible defines it. It's never changed, despite what our world tries to do to change it. It's still the same. And we're all in that category. We have sinned. We don't, there's not a one of us that's perfect. Because of Adam's sin, we are born in to sin. So we must realize, number one, that we are a sinner. We're imperfect. And because of that, there are wages for it look at Romans 6 23 Romans 6 23 says this for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord you see there had to be payment there has to be wages we kind of know we kind of look at that from a paycheck side of things if we've clocked in to our job wherever that may be then we are earning in theory anyway, we are earning what we're there to work for. We are earning our paycheck. We are earning our living. We get paid because we worked. So when we talk about wages in the sense of our sin, it's the same with that. Because we were born into sin due to Adam and Eve's first sin in the garden, and we continually live in it, we earn our payment. We earn it. It's ours. We have to take responsibility for that. We're not only going to receive consequences while we're down here, but we're going to receive consequences by eternal separation from the God that created us. You know, as children, we can relate this to you guys and on down in here, we don't really ever think that it's fair to be punished, do you? You never walk into the room or to the principal's office and say, and there might be some rare cases, and I need to talk to you if this is you, but you walk in there and you're like, man, I'm looking so forward to getting punished. What is it? You can't wait to get it, right? That's not the way we walk into it. Sometimes it seemed like my parents, and they're not here so I can say this, it's okay. Sometimes my parents, I think, enjoyed it just a little bit. In fact, 
I'm pretty sure that mom, every Saturday, had it written on her calendar. Kevin gets a spanking at such and such time. Every, like, this is just what's going to happen. Because somehow we were together more on Saturday, and I always knew more than my mother, or thought I did. I realized afterwards that I didn't, okay? And then if I got one from mom, yeah, mom didn't wait on dad, okay? So after I got one from mom, you can better believe that if I had to give mom trouble, dad's right there to give me the same thing when he gets home. That's what I had to look forward to. And this is what he would always say, and I know several of you have heard this, and I didn't really believe it either. Son, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. Did you actually believe that? There wasn't hardly enough drawers that you could wear near about it to keep dad's whooping from hurting. And that's what we always got. We didn't have back, like, I'm to the point now, I've hit 30, which that makes me feel kind of old to some of the youth, but I'm, I'm still young, okay? But back in the time that I was a child, we didn't have this. There was no grounding. The only thing they could do, the best thing we had to ground from was a, maybe a Super Nintendo. You understand what I'm saying? There's really not much to ground from. So dad just went straight to the source and just gave me a whooping. And it always was supposed to hurt him somehow more than it hurt me. Now, I didn't realize until as I got older that he's actually teaching me something. He is actually showing me that there is consequences for my wrongdoing. There were consequences. I had to realize that. I had to learn that. And it was hard for him to teach me that because he didn't want to have to do it no more than I wanted it. There's wages for our sin. There's consequences for our sin. Society these days wouldn't have us to believe that sometimes, but I promise the way that sin is defined in this book right here and the way that God handles it has not changed. And we need to kind of wake up and, and realize this. So there's wages for our sin but it doesn't stop there we see in Romans 5 8 that it is paid in full look at Romans 5 8 it says this but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us you see he didn't just leave us to have to face eternal separation from him he came to provide the only way that we can ever come back to him period in order for payment to be made in our place a perfect sinless sacrifice had to be made now we we discussed earlier that there is not a one of us in here that is perfect and no one ever qualified for this except our savior first john chapter 2 verse 2 says this he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world propitiation in a in a sense is payment but it's a lot more than that i had a youth pastor one time that we were living in tennessee and he used to do his youth group and he came he brought his example over to us and showed us what this propitiation meant as a young adult group and he said propitiation means that god takes away the wrath silly looking that's fine and especially what I'm wearing right now it actually looks a little more silly but the point gets across pretty good it's more than just a payment he took the wrath that's supposed to be on us and placed it on his son that's how much he loves us 
That is what it means for him to take the payment. He has paid the price in full. It's free. In fact, the Bible says we can't do anything in and of ourselves to earn this. Period. So what's the catch? There has to be, if something is this free, if something is this good, there has to be a catch, right? There has to be something. We've all watched the TV commercials. The new, whatever, the atomic lighter, I think, is the the last thing that I heard that came out. And boy, you get it going, they get you fired up about buying this thing, right? And then toward the end, they say, but if you call right now, We'll send you another one absolutely free. Just pay processing and handling. Okay? There's a catch. They want you to pay something else. They just said it was free, but then they want you to pay for it, in a, in a sense. Look at this. Romans 10, 9. Look, look at this. See what, see what, see this, check this out. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. No catch. Nothing. Jesus has done it all. Once we realize that we are convicted, once we realize we're a sinner and the Holy Spirit convicts us and draws us, when we realize that God has paid, Jesus has paid the ultimate price, that he indeed lived a perfect, sinless life, came and died on the cross, rose again in three days, and we confess him as our Lord, guess what? We will, will be saved. No strings attached. That is incredible. But it's got to be genuine. It's got to be. There's nothing magical about anything that anybody says that can save us. It's got to be with our heart. It's got to be with everything that we have. We listen and obey the Holy Spirit's call on our life. That's, it's got to be that. But he says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive My God looks at my unfaithfulness and rewards it with faithfulness to the point that he is going to forgive my sin. That is incredible to me. Confess is not just this thing. Again, we go back to use a little bit of a kid example, but confess is not, well, this is what mama wants to hear in order for me to get off the hook, so I'm going to tell him I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, and just go on. No, it's a lot more serious than that. Confessing is to see our sin just as ugly as our Savior sees it. To see that our sin, that Jesus died for our sin, that's how ugly it is. God sent his only son to die for that thing. It's ugly. It hurt my Savior. What I'm doing is hurting my relationship with Jesus. That's the way I have to see that. Or else it's it's not genuine. But he is faithful to all who call. Romans 10, 13 says this. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be 
saved. If you hear the Holy Spirit drawing you, you hear the gospel, you hear the Holy Spirit calling you, and you respond by placing your faith in Christ, the Bible just said that you will be saved. That's what you base it on. Remember, we talked about the propitiation. That's payment. It's already been made. How incredible. When it gets right down to it, we need to, this should make us want to shout. This should make us be that excited. How incredible our Father's love is for us. And here's the assurance. Turn to, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 with me real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in, well, just one verse there, verse 12. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. And you put your finger in John chapter 10. Kind of a Bible drill kind of a morning, but it's okay. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 says this. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, this is Paul talking to Timothy. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I, my life, what I have committed to him until that day. Look at, look at John chapter 10 really quick with me. If you already got your finger there, it's verse 28. And it says, and I give them, this is the words of Jesus, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Eternal life life that's the hope that you and I have that's why we have the hope that we sing about and that we praise God for this is what is inside of us this is the reason that we make it through all these things that we have been going through this week is because we know whom we have believed in so if we know that if we are saved beyond a shadow of a doubt, once saved, never losing it, if we have that hope in us, then we are saved. So I'm saved. Now what? Now what? It doesn't end just by, okay, you accept. Christ into your heart no no if it if Christ changed your heart if the gospel actually affected your life then you will be changed and it will show there was a, a pastor Kyle Adelman he wrote the series not a fan we've been kind of going through it a little piece by piece in with the students and he he had this one instance where he had a guy that wanted to leave his church and he found out about it, so he went and talked to the guy. And the guy said, well, he asked him, he said, why, why are you, what's, what's wrong? What's, what's going on? What can I do to help you? And he said, well, I just don't like your sermons. And Kyle asked him, he was like, what, what's wrong with him? He's like, I don't mind coming. This guy, this is what he had to say. I don't mind coming to your church. I don't mind sitting in the pew. I don't mind doing any of the stuff that we do during worship. As long as what you preach doesn't interfere with my life. 
Now, we may not ever say that like this man said to Kyle, but I think a lot of times that may be an attitude that we struggle with. And I'm just, I'm, just being, I'm just being real right here in God's Word. A lot of times, we as Christians don't mind listening, coming to church, sitting on a padded pew, and listening to the gospel being preached. But when it comes time to put feet on it, well, I went to church today, there's my Christian duty, and we're gone. If the gospel changed our life we are not going to hell if we are christians in here that ought to get us just a little bit fired up to share it with somebody else if something good happens to me in the secular world i don't have a problem telling anybody for instance my team won yesterday now they wasn't playing anybody really but they won and i listened to it on the radio so I don't have a problem bragging about that. Roll Tide. That may get me in trouble later, but that's fine. I'm just being real with you here. Okay? Uh, I got an awesome mountain bike for my birthday, and I have been on that thing way more than I probably need to. I don't mind sharing it. In fact, I'll show you pictures after we get out of here. I don't have a problem being excited about that. But what happens when I need to share my faith at school or at work and God has saved me from hell. What about that excitement? My goodness, if we can be excited over a silly football game that next year we won't even remember happened, where is our excitement for Jesus? My soul, people ought to know that we've been with Jesus. You know what they said about, they said that we know that you've been with Jesus. Peter couldn't even deny Jesus enough for them to think that he didn't, wasn't ever with him. He said, look, this man's been with Jesus. We knew it, he knew it. <laughs> Would people able to say that about us? God's word states that we must confess Jesus as Lord. That means that every thought we have, everything we do, will be under the lordship of our Savior. Period. It should not only influence every decision, it should be the standard for your every thought, every decision that you make during your day. 1 John chapter, six, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says this. And this is John. He was being really real. This is the same John we're talking about that, that wrote the book of 1 John and John. He's just being straight with these guys here at this church. He says this, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Hmm. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all our sin. Now, that's John being very straight with us right here. Walking in the darkness is this. It's living in sin. It's what we did when we were lost, okay? It's living in sin with really out, with any conviction of it. It's, it's fun to us. We enjoy that thing. doesn't really bother us that much. Look, we're going to make mistakes on this side of eternity. We're going to be imperfect, but there's a big difference in slipping up and continually walking and making a habit out of sin every day and enjoying it and somehow thinking that that is okay. I'm around the, the football and baseball team a lot. And so I get to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly before Friday night or before Saturday whenever the ball game is being played. 
And there's a lot of times where I'll come up on a practice and they're out there running laps. And I'm like, what's that for? He's like, well, somebody messed up on the team and we had to, this is their punishment. He had to correct them because they messed up. Now, the, the players have a, a choice. They can either correct what they were doing and win the game, possibly, or not correct what they're doing and probably be kicked off the team for continually rebelling against the coach. They can choose to keep walking and doing whatever they want to do rebelliously, or, or they can come over here and actually obey the coach, and the game will go better. Now, that's a very mild example comparing, but that's, that's the best we got. What, what we're trying to get across here is that if you're talking about walking in darkness and you're talking about this is living in enjoying sin, if we go on the other side of that, we're talking about walking in the light. John says that right there. If you walk in the light, you have fellowship one with another. Walking in the light is living and enjoying doing right and obeying our Savior. Does that mean perfection? No. Because this same writer, just a couple of verses down, if we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9, that, that is right a couple of verses after what we just read. We're going to mess up. It's going to happen. But the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us convicting us of that thing. We should not and cannot, if the gospel has affected our lives in such a way to save us, we should not and cannot live and enjoy that sin. Now, sin is fun for a season, yes, but you better believe that the Holy Spirit's going to convict us about it if we've been changed. It's tough, isn't it? We are worn out sometimes. This week has brought a lot of stuff on us. Maybe you're struggling with a sin. Maybe there's something in your life that you know shouldn't be there. We long to see redemption. We long to see this plan worked out to perfection. We long, our bodies, the whole, it's, the Bible says the creation itself longs for the coming of our Savior. This, everything about us in this world is broke. And we are worn out. If we wanted to be honest with each other in here. It's tough. God never said this is going to be easy down here. But he did promise us that he's always going to be with us. And in fact, a lot of us go through the day and just try to make it through the day. Look at what John 10, 10 says. I got it right here, so we'll just dive off into it. It says this, The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And look at what Jesus said he comes for. I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Being a Christian is not boring. Because Jesus has come in and changed my heart in such a way that when I seek after his desires, man, I am, stuff doesn't go perfect. We're going to have struggles that we go through, yes, but we have hope on the other side of that thing because we have faith in the Savior that is over it all. Jesus said he came to give us life more abundantly. And he'll always be there. He's faithful. How incredible. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son 
to make a rich his treasure. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. That should spark just a little something on the inside of us. If you are a Christian in this room, we already realize how much our Savior has done for us. We do not deserve heaven in the least little bit. And yet God, by His mercy and grace and His love for us, has provided the way for us as Christians to go to be with Him. And while we're down here, He's promised us that He's always going to be with us. We have forgiveness. We have a freedom that we can live in now. So are we living in it? Does it reflect in our life? Are we the sweet smell of Jesus to other people? What about the movies we watch? The TV that we allow in our home? The music that we allow to play in our vehicle? Oh, well, it's, it's good enough that it says it's PG-13 and I'm old enough to listen to it. Okay. The Bible never puts an age on what sin is. It's sin, period. That's it. What does our lives say about our relationship with our Savior? You encourage what you, as a Christian, tolerate. What are we tolerating? When we go outside of this building, what do people see in us that would make them want what you have? Church, we have so much grace and forgiveness in our lives. It's time for us to quit just doing and coming to church. It's time for us to be the church. What do people see in your life? Does it reflect your Savior? It's up to you. What is going on that's different on the inside of you that would make somebody want to come to Christ? The Great Commission is for every single one of us in this room. Go therefore, as you are going, radiate Christ. Make sure that everything that you're doing, are you going to mess up? Sure. But even at then, make sure that you have the conviction enough to ask forgiveness and move on and continue to spread the gospel. We are all ministers in this room, every single one of us. We are leaders. So now what? What do we do? We're saved. Well, this is what we have to be doing. This is what we are commanded to be doing. We are to be walking in the light. No matter what age you are in this room. From beginning to kids all the way up. Somebody is watching you. You are being a leader to somebody. What kind of example are you being? 
adults, what will the youth look at us and see? Youth, what will the kids that are looking at you guys, especially those new ones that just got saved during BBS, what are they looking at you and seeing what a relationship looks like with Jesus? We're all leaders. We're examples in this room. What are we doing with the God that lives inside of us? Are we going to be as excited about Him as we are about that football game Friday and Saturday? Nothing is wrong with those things in and of itself. But are we going to take that excitement and put it on spreading the gospel just by the way that we live, by the way that we talk, and being ready to give an answer for when somebody asks you about your faith. You know the way that you're able to do that? There don't need to be any dust on this book. Students know this from football. They can't come in from not practicing all summer, not working out, and do a good job on the football field when it comes time for the game to start. Summertime practice ain't always fun, but you know what? At the game, it sure does pay off. What are we doing? We cannot, as Christians, let this be the only time that we open up Scripture. If we are changed and we have a relationship with our Savior, just like I have a relationship with my wife, I don't just talk to her one time a week. I'm still married. I talk more than one time a week. Sometimes she would have me to shut up sometimes, and that's fine. But you have a relationship with our Savior. It's real. It's not some magical thing with this spirit. This is a relationship. He is real. He is a God that has saved you. And he's just asking for you to be faithful and talk with him. Study his word and then share it with somebody else. Be prepared when you are asked about who this God is and why are you so weird? Why are you so different? What's going on? Be living in such a way that people ask you that and then be studied up enough that when people ask you that, that you're ready to give an answer for it. We are called as Christians to be an example and if you are not, if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're lost, listen, as Mike and the musicians come, if you are lost, or saved, listen to me. Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a Christian? I am begging you. We started out this whole thing with the question, do you know? Please be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is telling and calling you to do. Only you know that. Be obedient. Let's pray.